Hi, this is Caitlin Osmond, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Welcome to the podcast, Tobin Tonight. Uh, this is like, your first time on. Now, obviously, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about swimming because that's what you know. <laughs> I'm talking about swimming because we know what she's, like, people know what she's for here. Like the posters in the background. Like clearly, does that look like a swimming outfit? No, not at all. Uh, Caitlin, for the time being, for as much as I can do this now, because I know you have the Order of Newfoundland, you got things named after you in your hometown, a uh, highway, an arena, a street, got gold medals, silver medals, bronze. Like, listen, there's a lot of things you've accomplished at 27. As someone at 31, I just want to be 27. I don't care about the rest of it. But for as much as I can do this for now, here's something that I have that you don't, but you will soon have, and this is why I get to use it right now for you. (laughs) (laughs) You've got three and a half years still ahead of me. This says communications, and they changed it now to media studies. And even Carlton has sent me emails like, we can change it to media studies. I'm like, that would be great. They're like, but we're going to charge you. I'm like, you know what? It's antique. I'm going to keep the antique. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep it communications. We're going to go into the skating background because I know that's what people want. But this is my show. I get to determine where we start. So as a media guy myself, I want to ask you, what brought you into the field of media and why are you taking my job? Come on, leave something for me. <laughs> I, uh, I've always enjoyed the idea of media. Since I was 16, I started getting interviewed more and more myself, mostly on a national level, but then I started traveling internationally. So then I got to get a lot of practice with it. But it was fun on my side of it because I got to curate my own story and learn how to incorporate that in front of the journalists and all the extra media people that were talking about me. And it was sometimes really beneficial because, well, I got to get my story out. But then other times it worked not in my favor where I would read an article and be angry because that's what they projected of me or what that's what they viewed and what I did. So... I think the part of me that wanted to go into media was to be able to allow people to curate their own stories and for me just providing the voice to help them get there. Um, and from then on, it just, it kind of spiraled from there. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Cause when you mean like they kind of either twist, like, are you saying like they kind of twisted the words that you said, or like they read something that you did and they said, okay, this is how we want to perceive it. I kind of sometimes it would be on something that I said and I was like, that is what I said, but not in the context context that I said it. Or it would be another, I didn't actually speak to them, but they are telling the story about what I did that day. Okay. And sometimes what goes through an athlete's head isn't necessarily what's shown on the outside. Yeah. So to hear stories told of like, oh, it just wasn't her day. And I was like, yeah, but you don't know how much of an injury I was struggling with that day. I just wish more people got to hear about that side of things, not just the injuries because, well, that was another thing that annoyed me about the media is that they really honed in on every single injury I had. And I'm like, can we just move on from there, please? (laughs) But it wasn't just the injuries, but like just giving a chance to the athlete to not either make an excuse for what they did that day, but just to be able to tell their own version of what happened that day. Yeah. I feel like for you and for other athletes that are going through, say like media training or like trying to be in the media, like 
I could, you know what, I could play like the devil's advocate of why certain media do that. Like, listen, I'm not one that likes to like write an article without actually speaking to someone about it. But there are certain times that I guess, especially in the world that we live in with now with PR, that if you want to talk to Steph Curry about an injury, you know there's a PR person be like, all right, don't tell them everything about the injury. Here's your basic status quo. And listen, like, mm-hmm. you know, from being Canadian, if you go to a hockey player, there are plenty of times where it's like you're down three to two or you're up four to one. We just got to get pucks in deep. It's like, oh, can you tell us anything about dry Seidel's injury? Uh, doctors are looking at him. It's like, we figured doctors were looking at him. <laughs> like, we didn't want like no, Timmy I... looking at him. <laughs> I completely agree with that. And I know that for a fact, that's what I did. I had a full back injury my entire last year competing. Nobody knew about it. I didn't want to give myself the excuse even. It wasn't had anything to do with the media. It had nothing to do with anybody else watching me. I did not care if they knew I had an injury or not. I couldn't let myself fall back into the excuse that I had an injury and that's why I couldn't perform. So I was like, if I don't give myself the excuse, then if I skate bad and then give out the excuse, then it's just going to look really bad. So I was like, I'll just make sure I have good performances and then we'll just deal with the injury later. Yeah. It's like, as long as you're not walking into the arena, like with a cane and like hunched over and they'd be like, she's supposed to perform tonight. What's going on there? Is like, did she just come from like a meet and greet and she's, was she sitting too long? (laughs) Like, yeah, who knows? At, at twenty at twenty seven now, how how's your back feel? Uh, not great. If All this right. is how a regular twenty seven year old's back feels, I'm sorry for everybody. But thankfully, I have treatment. I still go for massages. I still get a little bit of physio. So thankfully, that's still in my cards. But uh, yeah, I was always told that your body will love you until you're retired and you don't actually put all your effort into making sure your body's feeling 100% anymore. You're saying that at 27. I'm like 31 and there's days I'll get up and I'm like, man, it's like, I know I slept right, but like, why does this? And then there's a kid that slept upside (laughs) down with his foot in his mouth. And he's like, I'm ready to take on the day. I'm just like, how? How are you ready to take on the day? (laughs) What day do you have planned for yourself? It's like, just going out and playing some ball hockey. I'd be like, but you literally slept upside down. I don't get it. I'm so so furious. You started skating relatively like young in my mind. Now people could say like, no, I was young. Yeah. Yeah. yeah." (laughs) I I believe it was like three years old. I actually put skates on for the first time at 18 months. I started the can skate program when I was three. So I actually started taking figure skating lessons at three, but I started skating when I was two. Okay. Is there a little bit of resentment to your parents for putting you in so young? No, no. Not at all. (laughs) They're just, they're they're just at home. It's like, I hope she doesn't say no to that. Like, uh, they didn't actually put me in it originally. I, my sister was a skater and she's three years older. So she was at the rink all the time and I was born while she was already started skating. So I was at the rink every day and always watching her skate because they couldn't exactly leave me at home. Well, they could have, but I don't think that would have yeah. gone very well yeah, with a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> so I was at the rink every day and I was really good friends with my sister, even as a, well, at that and I was only two, two. So I don't yeah. know how good friends you can be when you're two. But my sister and I are still really good friends, and uh, I wanted to be like her. So it was my 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 choice at two to go onto the ice because I was like, my sister can do it. I want to. Yeah. Just now, now looking back, is your sister like? It's like is she like me, where she's kind of like, look at everything she's achieved. She's like, no, I don't like f you. <laughs> uh, no, actually, my sister was, I, in my opinion, by far the better skater of the two of us. She had a lot of 
talent that allowed me to just kind of fly under the radar for so long. And then her and I, like, my coach Ravi, he taught both of us for a while, and he made fun of us all the time that we didn't fight ever. We always got along. He'd take us in lessons together, and we'd be like, oh, that was cool. She tried it. I'm going to try it. Um, so then when it got to the point that her and I actually competed against each other because I, I caught up, yeah. <laughs> um, I ended up beating her that year. She was having a little bit of a rough year and was already in the process of debating on if she wanted to skate, like continue skating or not. Um, so I finally... I, I beat her <laughs> and uh, she just used that as a, you know what, I'm good. She's here now. I'll leave it. But then she became my like biggest supporter. She showed up to every nationals after that. And um, she was always there to support and help me with my dog when I had to travel away. And um, yeah, so I don't think she had any resentment. I know that she always just wanted to wear a Canada jacket and travel internationally even once, yeah. and she never had that opportunity. So yeah. I think in that spot where I have my Canada jacket, she was like, well, that's not fair. But yeah. at the same time, she just – she knew. She understood it probably more than anyone. It's like the uh, – I, I consider it like almost like the other Canadian duo that's in the same kind of aspect. It's like Brooke Henderson and her sister. Like I remember meeting Brooke like this was years ago when I was interning at CTV. And I was like, I was like, do you know your caddy looks a lot like you? She's like, yeah, it's my sister. I was like, right, good, okay. And then I was just like, does she golf? She's like, yeah, she's probably better than me. I was just like, yeah, you're the one on tour? She's like, yeah, because she's doing other things and doesn't want – and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. At least you mm-hmm. brought her along for the process, which I think is interesting because I have brothers that are like maybe, what, 10, 12 – 13 years older than me. If I was doing like something very successful, I would not tag, I would not take them along with me. They'd be like, what? You're not taking us? I'd be like, you two, you two can be your own partners. You're 10 and 12 years older than me. What am I doing with ye? I wish I had the opportunity to bring my sister along to a lot of these events, but she even tried to make it to, to go to both my Olympic games, but it just, it never worked out. She was pregnant for the first one and then injured her foot for the second one. So I'm like, well, yeah. I guess you're not coming with me. So yeah. um, I never had a chance to actually bring my sister along to many things. Not like I would have been, I I'm, I don't really talk to people on days of competition. So yeah. I want to ask you the other, like, I guess another kind of interesting aspect with skating here is like, you know, you mentioned it prior about like injuries and, mm-hmm. you know, how, how sometimes that can like impact you coming back from an injury, how successful you'll be. Like, I believe it was after the 2014 Olympics that you got injured, but mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that process. Cause I know we're talking about like an key aspect that people really want to talk about with athletes or just people in general is the whole mental health awareness. And I don't think that gets really brought up enough with athletes because once an athlete retires, once an injury happens, if they're no longer in the spotlight, you're kind of like, whatever happened to them? Oh, okay, well, who cares? It's like, well, you kind of should because at the end of the day, it's still a person. This was what their career choice, same as you going to an eight to five job. If you couldn't do the eight to five job anymore, you know, yeah, it's not as big of an audience that gives a shit, but people still probably are like, you should probably check in on them. So tell me a little bit about the injury and how you kind of recovered it and like the whole, like the meats and potatoes of everything in between. That was a big question. Um, <laughs> I know, it was uh, very wordy. <laughs> you're making me think a little bit, but it's okay. I just came from school and my brain's activated. Good. We're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, 
I believe mental health wasn't talked about a lot, especially at the time that I was going through my injury and when I actually started getting help for my mental health. It is being talked about more now, which is great. And I love to he hear more conversations around the mental health side of, of generalized life and let alone sport on top of that. And then, as you said, the, the transition out of competitive sport and then still remembering that these people exist, that they weren't just an object to watch for a little while and that they're actually a real human behind all of it. And I've really done a lot of work on myself in the past, well, pretty much since that injury back in 2014. And then... I, I'm still continuously working with a psychologist, so I'm a big, big firm believer of mental health. But with that injury, I I quit uh, in in my own brain. I told my mom that if I got injured one more time, that I was done. And next thing I know, I was lying in a hospital bed with a broken foot. So <laughs> it was just really convenient timing, I think. And in my head, I did quit. I did not want to get back on the ice. And I was just a little too scared to tell my coach that because in my brain at that point, I knew that if I told him that it was going to be real. And then if it was real, if I didn't get back on the ice, then I gave up because I got injured and I just, I took the easy route out. I as a person couldn't do that. I think a part of me knew that I still had something left to give in skating. And my coach at that point, he said very similar things. He didn't actually say it to me, but we have had to talk about it when I actually went to him four years later and said, I don't think I can do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and when I told him that four years later, he looked at me and he was like, well, you know what? That's your choice. You've literally done everything the sport could ask you to do right now. You have your medals from Olympics. You won worlds. Like, it's your choice if you want to come back. Four years before that, when I got injured, he said he was close to saying the exact same thing. He was like, if you want to come back, I'll be here to help you. But if you don't, that's fine. You've already made an Olympics. You've already got a national medal. You've accomplished a lot. Like you don't, you yeah. don't have to feel like you need to get more. But he felt like I could give more. So both of us in that moment kind of just said, well, you know what? We'll push through. We'll see what happens. And I did that for a year, not being able to compete. And I just was training, which is my least favorite part of skating. And uh, he started sending me back to Newfoundland and across Canada to do some shows and seminars just to keep my motivation up a little bit higher. But then I went back to competition the next year and it was a full roller coaster. I either skated really well or really badly. There was no in between. But ultimately, it wasn't my performance that led to me making a decision, but it was my mentality going towards each event. I was training fine. I could do everything in practice. But the minute I got to competition, I got nervous for the first time. I lost full confidence in myself. There was a lot of things mentally going on that I couldn't compete well and consistently because my own brain was getting in the way. So when I did make the world team that year, I came third and the top two made it. I looked at my coach and I was like, we're two years out for the Olympics. I can either quit right now because this sucks, I'm not having fun, or I can recover from these two years and put two more solid competitive years under my belt and be happy with how I'm done. So in that moment, we chose to start working with a sports psychologist just to help me get through the mental blocks that I had, the fears that I had, but then also just a chance to rant about my daily life and a chance to bash my coach if I wanted to or talk about my parents and just get it out so it's not sitting yeah. in your brain and it's a safe place to say it and a lot of it you probably don't even mean but you just got to get it out <laughs> 
so it was just a lot more freedom that way and it helped so much and it was able that I when I got onto the ice to compete I could just focus on what I was doing Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden. Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. I like it. I like the answer. I like how you took the process there. But like, you know, when you're saying necessarily like the standings didn't matter, it was your mental state. Like, I want to kind of argue that point a little bit with you because like you went from one point being ranked 148th to like, you know, number one in the world. Yeah. I, I say that because when I first read it, because the way that Wikipedia has it set up, I was like, it shows obviously where you're ranked first. And then it showed like 148. I'm like, man, what happened? She started so good. And then it went downwards. I'm like, oh, look at the years, Tobin. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Because all of a sudden, I was like, how did she go from one to being 148th in the world? Like, how did it go from being on top to the... And I'm like, no, it's the other way around. I'm like, okay, that makes more sense. You know, that's... But... I never actually looked at my world rankings. So oh, you, you, I don't you know. should. You should. Well, see, there you go. That could. I probably like... am not in a good place right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> But I mean, like, if you had to look at it back then to see, like, oh, I'm, I'm moving up. Like, I feel like that could have contributed to, like, the motivation. But you're right. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you, because I, I know when you mentioned about the injury, coming back from the injury, and I, I really like that answer because, like, just say if you had to say after 2014, not coming back. Look at the stuff mm-hmm. that you accomplished afterwards. Like, do you look back now at 27 being retired? And I still think that's kind of weird to say because it's like you're still young. But do you look back now and you're kind of like, yeah, absolutely, I'm glad I kind of stuck it out. Or do you kind of be like, fuck it, I don't give a shit? Um, I don't know. I, I don't really look back and I try not to look back. How dare you always look back. Look back at what you accomplished. <laughs> I've only just recently started looking at my Olympic stuff and, and becoming appreciative. All of, like I've always appreciated it. So yeah, once yeah. again wording some things is weird um i've always appreciated what i've done what i've accomplished but it's only recently that i've been able to look at my olympic stuff and and acknowledge i guess like how how big that was and how how rare it is to do something like that and then i actually put in a lot of work for it like that is really finally just starting to hone in and i'm realizing that but i try not to look back too too much and when it goes back to that injury I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if I just stopped right then and there. I probably would still have metal in my leg because I wouldn't have been shoving my foot in my skate, so I took the metal out because of that reason. So I probably would have still had metal in my leg. I probably would have been done school. Sooner. Done like three programs in school at this point instead of just starting again. So I don't know where I would be. My friends were just retired from skating that year too. They were going into their second year of university. Maybe I would have joined them sooner instead of them moving on and they're all done and getting their jobs and having children. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm in school. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know where I would have been, but then at the same time I look back and I'm like, I learned so much in my last couple of years. 
I learned a lot about myself in my own skating. I met a lot more people. Some of them are my new best friends, and I gained like this whole new community that I never had before that because I was so young at my first Olympics when I got injured. So it's just like I built more than just the accomplishments in those four years, and that I don't really want to hold back from. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's good. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because, like, when you mentioned about like going to because. Listen, if you stumble across things on Instagram long enough, you'll see inspirational quotes. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do this today. And then you'll see stuff where it's like, are you depressed? Like, I guess. Like, I don't know who defines that anymore. But if you stumble across Instagram and then you see, I think one of the ones that I really like watching is someone saying you can't compare like your highlight reel to someone else's like low life or like just because someone else is like posting all their highs. Like no one's out there posting their lows. No one is. So you're comparing like your people are starting to, which makes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I I feel like Mm -hmm. it's still like an open road because you're kind of exposing yourself on social media where it's like, Oh, this happened today. It's like, yeah, good for you. You deserve it. You're like, I deserve a flat tire. Like what kind of monster are you? (laughs) But I do enjoy with social media. Like sometimes it can really amp you up. Sometimes it can bring you down, but it kind of in a way, is a little bit of a healthy medium to yourself where like, I know you said you're go- like at this age, you're going back to school. And sometimes you're like, I'm a little bit too old to be in school. I remember graduating from Carlton with this degree. I thought, I'm going to still use it with this degree and being like, I'm ready for the world. And you go out and do internships. So like, you're not ready, buddy. You're not ready. I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm all, I'm not, I'm not old. I'm young. I'm ready. Let's do this. And they're like, nah, you need more experience. I'm like, by the time I get all the experience you want me to be, I'm going to be fucking 40. And they're like, am I wrong with being 40? I'm just like, nothing. Then there's like a 40 year old in the back that's like, you know, the news anchor on this big station. I'm like, all right, I'll see them. I'll see myself out. (laughs) But I mean, it doesn't matter at the point I'm looking at it is like, if you're gaining more experience to something you want to do as a post career, then, you know, who cares what other people think or say, or where they're to in life. Because again, if you're comparing yourself to someone else's life, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I look at my brothers and I'm like, one brother has kids and one's like, you know, up away in Ottawa and has a pretty decent house. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? And then I'm just like, oh, right. I interviewed like Tim Allen. So can you do that? And then they're just like, well, I wanted to interview Tim Allen. Like, there we go. Everyone's happy for everybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a long way. It's a long way to say be happy. Could have just played the song. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, every, everybody has a different journey. And that's like what I said. I want to be a part of the media world for that reason is to be able to tell people stories the way that they want their stories to be told to get their highlight reels, but then also to get the real stuff behind it all. And everybody has a different journey. Today, I was in a class with, with someone that I was definitely the younger one in that situation. Whereas last semester, I was in a group project and one of my group members was like, he was in his fourth year and I was in my first year. Yeah. And he was like, you went to your first Olympics when I was in grade seven. And I'm just like, I know I'm old. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so sometimes I, I get tossed into it. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I am late, really not really late, but I'm later than most of my classmates when starting school. But at the same time, I just lived a whole new career, a whole career up to that yeah. point and then took a break and now restarting my new career. So um, even if I don't get a job in this field when I'm done, I can say that I accomplished something else. I accomplished my skating career. Then I can say I'm accomplishing my school career and then we'll figure it out from there. But at the same time, I also have learned through skating in my post career that uh, it's not always as simple as saying I went to school and now I have a job. 
Yeah. It's to say, I finished school. I have the degree. I put in the work. Now, if it works, it works. If not, if not, and I'll just figure it out from there again. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So listen, if, if we're ever in a competition for a job, I don't think we should be, but if we are, and you end up getting it, I'll be like, you know what? She has the degree. I'm cool with that. And someone's just like, man, that sounds hypocritical from what you said in the past. I'm like, no, I just don't like ex-athletes walking in and getting a job. If they did the work, like, you know, that we had to do to like, you know, get the job that we're supposed to be trained for, told. Mm -hmm. But do you ever find that though at university, like, or a college that you have people in your group or a group members that are like, hey, it's like you're, you're Caitlin Osman and you're just like, can you just, can you just not? Because I feel like it's like a Hannah Montana vibe almost. Like, I know, I know that's a little bit different, but I feel like, you know, when Hannah Montana comes out and someone's just like, oh my God, you're Hannah Montana. It's like, yeah, but I just want to be Miley. It's like, in this case, it's like, <laughs> I just want to be Caitlin, not the Olympic. My hair is not showing it right now, but currently <laughs> if I, if I do my hair correctly, I look like I'm in my Hannah Montana days. Or not right now. We're <laughs> thriving off a really messy ponytail. Back to school life. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really feel like not many people at my school know who I am. I don't talk to many people. I'm, I'm very quiet, actually, for how much I talk to people on a daily basis, whether it's through <laughs> podcasts yeah. or last week I was at Nationals broadcasting or being a part of the broadcast team for Skate Canada throughout the year. I don't talk to people. I very much stick to myself when I'm in classes. But then when I do have the chance to talk to people, it's not the first thing I bring up. Yeah, um, if the conversation goes around sports, which it often does, because I'm in media, majority of the people in the media class have something to do with sports. Um, so if it comes up in their conversation about what sport you do, or last semester I was in a, in a French class and one of the guys works at the same rink that I do. So we knew each other from that yeah. and nobody actually asks about it. There's no questions about what it was like. There's no questions about like, what are you doing here now? It's just like, Oh cool. You did that. And then yeah. we're over it. Like nobody cares, which is like great. But at the same time, I'm like, can someone care? Yeah. Um, but nobody cares. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I feel They're like, like whatever. I feel like if we were in the same program, my I, and this is like I, I don't know how you'd feel about this answer, but if we were in the same like sports program or journalism program, my instant reaction would not be the Olympics. It would not be about skating. I'd just be like, "What are you at? You understand me, right?" And then they'd be like, "I got like, it." Yeah, they'd be like, they'd be like, "Why is that your go-to?" I'd be like, "You're not listen, Mainlander. You're not a part of this anymore. Me and Caitlin are going to all talk Newfie." And they'd be like, "Can we join?" <laughs> it's like, no. This is the one thing we have. Let us be. <laughs> I want to ask you to kind of close it out here. Would you want to play a fun game of random questions? Sure. 
all right this is where like this is where the media this is where the media takes control and just twists your Mm -hmm. no i'm like kidding all right so what is your most embarrassing memory to date well i think that was pretty obvious for anyone who's known my career (laughs) my my world uh victory lap didn't end well there's a nice flag up behind me and then i turned into a canadian burrito so i think that one takes the cake for for my most embarrassing moment okay that's mostly because it was just so public too there's like a couple million views on that video um my roommate loves to throw it up on the tv every now and then so it's still oh nice you know you know you know how you have a good roommate when that's the case like yeah, I, I feel like if you, I feel like if you ask like Austin Matthews right now, his is probably when he chased Crosby and just ate crossbar, and then like oh, I, think no. a, I think an interviewer even asked him about, it and he's like, "Yeah, he's like I just didn't see it coming." It's like dumb, but he's like, "Great question." Like you could tell that he was like, "Like screw you, don't ask me that." I was just like, "All right, there." It was me, by the way. I'd asked. No, I'm like, <laughs> that's why he's not coming on the podcast. I want to. Okay, so the other random one they have here is. Um, oh, what's your favorite kind of cheat meal or something that, like, if you're on the road, you just have to have it? All the above. Um, all, all the, oh, okay. All the above. I love tacos, pizza, and pasta. So I guess those are my three go-tos, depending on where I am. If I do say somewhere that has risotto, I'm not, I'm not going too far past that on the menu. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. What's your most like memorable moment to date? And it can be good or bad. Like something that you'll like, whether you look back at today, 20 years from now, you're like, yeah, this one sticks out. It's hard to say. I had a lot of highlights and lowlights in my uh, Obviously, career. it's supposed and... to be this interview or this conversation. God, Caitlin. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, God. And even in my post-competitive career, I've had a lot of amazing moments. So it's really hard to like pinpoint what's the most memorable. But I guess like, one of the most obvious ones would be my Olympic long program and not for the actual skate itself. Um, even though the minute I hit that any position, I've never felt so much relief in my life, <laughs> but it was because right afterwards or a couple hours afterwards, actually, when I first got off the podium, after getting my medal, someone showed me the video of the, the team members up in the stands and it wasn't just Canadian team or figure skaters. It was some of the U S team and other European teams and stuff like that. And they're people that I either grew up with or had been to events with. And they showed me this video and they're all standing there and like fully into my program and then like started cheering. And I don't know why seeing that video of them do that is more memorable than my, even my actual performance. And I think it's for me, my skating, I loved skating, but my long program was not my strongest suit and it took me seven years to get a clean program done in competition and then that was at the olympics and i think for me i just wanted to prove to people that i could do it and seeing that video of everybody up in the stands was like my validation which i know was like not what you're supposed to be going for you should get your internal validation but i I need my validation from them (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to be supported. I mean, you can win as many. I, I'm saying this knowing, like, I've done nothing in terms of like podcasting awards. I've done plenty for bowling, but it's like uh, you can do like get all the awards you want, but it's still something to be like validated by people. I feel like if you ask people, like actors or actresses, they can get up and get Golden Globes, they can get Junos, but it means nothing if you go out to a crowd and they're just like, hmm. 
But if someone like, you did it. Yeah. Like, but if you have, I feel like to them, and maybe you're in the same case where it's like, cause you mentioned about a crowd, like not even Canadian, just us, all them just kind of giving you an applause. Like, I feel like if you go to a band member and it's like, what's your most memorable moment or something, you expect it to be like an award show. And in some mm-hmm. cases they're like, man, no, we had like a 10 year old child that came up and basically played us our first album that we didn't even release front to back. And that just goes to show like the dedication. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, mm-hmm. I could get an award for this tomorrow. And someone's like, actually this kid over here, listen to one of your interviews, they interviewed someone and they took a whole, and I'd be like, Oh, that means a lot more. Cause that means like they actually studied something I did. So teach their own. Mm-hmm. So I guess another one that we got, we've got maybe two or three random ones left, maybe two. If you weren't into figure skating, is there mm-hmm. any other sport that you think that you could accomplish or not, maybe not to the Olympic extent, but still like, you're like, man, I could have gave this a go and would have been happy doing it. I don't think you realize how uncoordinated I am with majority of my life. So uh, bowling. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I became a figure skater with how uncoordinated I am. That's just pure. I've been doing it my whole life. I think yeah. I did do cross country for a little bit. Okay. And I was decently good at it because I think I was the only great four that was training competitively for another sport, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I would go into the races and be too competitive. So I would just sprint the entire cross country race. And if anyone got close to me, I would speed up. So sometimes that worked in my favor. Sometimes I burnt out long before the race ended, but I did like four races and I won one or came second on all four of them. So I, who knows, maybe I could have had a long distance running career. Yeah. But yeah, no, I can barely run 5K now without being like, <laughs> someone get me a stretcher. That, that's... No, I've done two 10K races yeah. since, and I, I like 10Ks, but uh, that's about my max. Okay. And the last one we have here <laughs> is what song or artist is currently playing on your iPod? I'm, it's a dated question here where it says iPod, but like just on your iPhone or anything that you're like, either amps you up or you're currently listening to it and you can't turn it off. Mine? I listen to it as a morning alarm, mm-hmm. but it's like run around. I think it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. run around. I, yeah. I don't know. It's like really like a 1990s song, but like either that or I re I recently, now I know this is topical, but like Nick Carter came out with a song for his brother that passed mm-hmm. away. And I'm like, man, like I have always liked Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys, but at one point it was not cool to like the Backstreet Boys as a dude. And I'm like, no, it's always been cool. you, man. BSB for life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my current one is Little Lion Man from Mumford and Sons. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like Mumford and Sons. Me too. And I've like, I don't know, that song has been stuck in my head for like five months to the point that I like hunted down the record and I now own the record. So nice i remember monsters and sons for like maybe like the one song you kind of hear on the radio or like of monsters and men that's like really popular and then sometimes you'll go back mm-hmm. and you're like i know that's the most popular one but let's go mm-hmm. through the album and you're like what about this hidden gem like do you know how many hidden gems i found by john mayer that aren't charting and i'm just like mm-hmm. john mayer what's on the go he's like man i just like i like making music and i'm just like cool john mayer like awesome that's when he needs the validation because me just saying cool he's like Great, <laughs> whatever. That's what I like. I just started listening to records, like actual vinyl. Now, I realized how much music I didn't know because I've literally only listened to their like their top hits, just yeah. whatever pops up on Spotify, instead of actually listening to the whole album. And I'm like, where'd this song come from? <laughs> 
That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Caitlin Osman for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Zhang. Thank you for listening, and good night. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.